chapter thirteen of yon of the windmill this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox dot org yon of the windmill by juliana horatia ewing chapter thirteen george as a moneyed man sal the white horse the wedding the windmiller's wife forgets and remembers too late excitement the stifling atmosphere of the public-house and the spirits he had drunk at his friend's expense had somewhat confused the brains of the miller's man by the time that the cheap jack rose to go george was as a rule sober beyond the want of the rustics of the district chiefly from parsimony when he could drink at another man's expense he was not always prudent so you've settled to go my dear said the dwarf as they stood together by the cart business being slack and parties unpleasantly suspicious eh never you mind said george who felt very foolish and hoped himself successful and looking very wise i'd be going to set up for myself i'm tired of slaving for another man quite right too said the dwarf but all businesses takes money of which my dear i doesn't doubt you've plenty you always took care of number one when you did business with cheap john at that moment george felt himself a sort of embodiment of shrewd wisdom he had taken another sip from the glass which was still in his hand and the only drawback to the sense of magnified cunning by which his ideas seemed to be illumined was a less pleasant feeling that they were perpetually slipping from his grasp to the familiar idea of outwitting the cheap jack he held fast however it be nothing to thee what a have he said slowly but a don't mind e knowin so much jack because e can't get at un haw haw not unless e robs the savings bank the dwarf's eyes twinkled and he affected to secure some pictures that hung low as he said carelessly savings banks be good places for a poor man to lay by in they take small sums and a few shillings comes in useful to a honest man george my dear if they doesn't go far in business shillings cried george indignantly pounds and then doubtful if he had not said too much he added a don't so much mind e knowing jack because he can't get at em it's a pity you're such a poor scholar george said the cheap jack turning round and looking full at his friend you're so sharp but for that my dear you don't think you counts the money over in your head till you makes it out more than it is now eh a can keep things in my yet said george better than most folks can keep a book i knows what i has and what other folks can't get at i knows how i put un in first the five pound bill they must have stared to see you bring five pound in a lump george my dear said the hunchback was it wise do you think george bean't such a vool as a looks replied the miller's man a took good care to change it first cheap john and to put it in by bits you're a clever customer george said his friend well my dear first the five-pound bill and then george looked puzzled and then suddenly angry what be that to you he asked and forthwith relapsed into a sulky fit from which the cheap jack found it impossible to rouse him all attempts to renew the subject or to induce the miller's man to talk at all proved fruitless the cheap jack insisted however on taking a friendly leave 
good-bye my dear said he till the mop you knows my place in the town and i shall expect you the miller's man only replied by a defiant nod which possibly meant that he would come but had some appearance of expressing only a sarcastic wish that the cheap jack might see him on the occasion alluded to in obedience to a yell from its master the white horse now started forward and it is not too much to say that the journey to town was not made more pleasant for the poor beast by the fact that the cheap jack had a good deal of long suppressed fury to vent upon somebody it was perhaps well for the bones of the white horse that just as they entered the town the cheap jack brushed against a woman on the narrow footpath who having turned to remonstrate in no very civil terms suddenly checked herself and said in a low voice juggling jack the dwarf started and looked at the woman with a puzzled air she was a middle-aged woman in the earlier half of middle age she was shabbily dressed and had a face that would not have been ill-looking but that the upper lip was long and cleft and the lower one unusually large as the cheap jack still stared in silence she burst into a noisy laugh saying more no jack the fool than jack the fool knows but even as she spoke a gleam of recognition suddenly spread over the hunchback's face and putting out his hand he said sal you here my dear the air of london don't agree with me just now was the reply and how are you jack the country air's just beginning to disagree with me my dear said the hunchback but i'm glad to see you sal come in here my dear and let's have a talk and a little refreshment the place of refreshment to which the dwarf alluded was another public-house the white horse by name there was no need to bid the cheap jack's white horse to pause here he stopped of himself at every public-house nineteen times out of twenty to the great convenience of his master for which he got no thanks the twentieth time the hunchback did not want to stop and he was lavish of abuse of the beast's stupidity in coming to a standstill the white horse drooped his soft white nose and weary neck for a long long time under the effigy of his namesake swinging overhead and when the cheap jack did come out he seemed so preoccupied that the tired beast got home with fewer blows than usual he unloaded his cart mechanically as if in a dream but when he touched the pictures they seemed to awaken a fresh train of thought he stamped one of his little feet spitefully on the ground and with a pretty close imitation of george's dialect said bitterly "Gearge bean't such a vool as a looks adding after a pause i'd do a deal to pay him off as he turned into the house he said thoughtfully sal's precious sharp she allus was and a fine woman too is sal not long after the incidents just related it happened that business called mrs lake to the neighbouring town she seldom went out but a well-to-do aunt was sick and wished to see her and the miller gave his consent to her going she met the milk-cart at the corner of the road and so was driven to the town and she took jan with her he had begged hard to go and was intensely amused by all he saw the young lakes were so thoroughly in the habit of taking everything whether commonplace or curious in the same phlegmatic fashion that jan's pleasure was a new pleasure to his foster-mother and they enjoyed themselves greatly 
as they were making their way towards the inn where they were to pick up a neighbour in whose cart they were to be driven home their progress was hindered by a crowd which had collected near one of the churches mrs lake was one of those people who lead colourless lives and are without mental resources to whom a calamity is almost delightful from the stimulus it gives to the imagination and the relief it affords to the monotony of existence oh dear oh dear she cried peering through the crowd i wonder what it is tis likely tis a man in a fit now i shouldn't wonder or a cart upset and every soul killed as it might be ourselves going home this very evening dear dear tis a venturesome thing to leave home too ere they be ere they be roared a wave of the crowd composed of boys breaking on mrs lake and jan at this point tis the body sure as death murmured the windmiller's wife but as she spoke the street boys set up a lusty cheer and jan who had escaped to explore on his own account came running back crying tis the cheap jack mammy and he's been getting married if anything could have rivalled the interest of a sudden death for mrs lake it must have been such a wedding as this she hurried to the front and was just in time to catch sight of the happy couple as they passed down the street escorted by a crowd of congratulating boys well done cheap john roared one you've chose a beauty you have cried another she's arf a ed taller anyway added a third many happy returns of the day jack yelled a fourth jan was charmed and again and again he drew mrs lake's attention to the fact that it really was the cheap jack but the windmiller's wife was staring at the bride not merely because the bride is commonly considered the central figure of a wedding party but because her face seemed familiar to mrs lake and she could not remember where she had seen her though she could remember nothing the association seemed to be one of pain in vain she beat her brains memory was an almost uncultivated quality with her and like the rest of her intellectual powers had a nervous skittish way of deserting her in need as if from timidity mrs lake could sometimes remember things when she got into bed but on this occasion her pillow did not assist her and the windmiller snubbed her for making such a cattle about a woman's face she might have seen anywhere or nowhere for that matter so she got no help from him and it was not till after the cheap jack and his wife had left the neighbourhood that one night she was in bed it suddenly came to her as she said that the dwarf's bride was the woman who had brought jan to the mill on the night of the great storm End of chapter thirteen